Monday, April the 26th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, global COVID-19 cases surge and Indonesia's sunk submarine found. First, the world in brief. The daily number of new COVID-19 cases surged to new highs. India accounts for half the global total, reporting more than 354,000 new cases and 2,800 deaths on Sunday. Both figures are presumed to be understatements, perhaps drastically so. It is suffering a severe second wave, fuelled by new variants of the virus. The government has resorted to airlifts from abroad to relieve its hospitals. America adjusted rules that had obstructed its sending raw materials for vaccine production. Meanwhile, the state of Michigan is riding a surge of its own, with twice as many younger patients in hospitals as during its previous peak, recorded last autumn. Travellers from America who have been vaccinated with vaccines approved by the European Medicines Agency will be welcomed, quote, unconditionally by the EU's member states this summer, Ursula von der Leyen, the President of the European Commission, told the New York Times. Elsewhere, Hong Kong and Singapore announced that their previously aborted, quote, travel bubble will open on May 26th. Underwater pictures taken by a robot loaned by Singapore confirmed that an Indonesian military submarine carrying 53 crew had split into three parts and sunk off the coast of Bali. KRI Nangala 402 had disappeared on Wednesday after requesting permission to dive during a torpedo drill. Indonesia's armed forces officially admitted that all on board the submarine had died. The European Union accused the Chinese government of endangering peace in the South China Sea. In a statement, the EU said that the presence of large Chinese vessels at Whitsun Reef, which is also claimed by the Philippines and Vietnam, threatened stability in the region, and called upon all sides to abide by an international tribunal ruling in 2016 that rejected most of China's claims to sovereignty in the area. The ruling Liberal Democrat Party of Japan lost all three seats up for grabs in parliamentary by-elections on Sunday. They were the first diet ballots held since Suga Yoshihide became Prime Minister last September. The poor showing, which partly reflects growing discontent with his government's pandemic response, adds more pressure on his leadership. The LDP faces a general election later this year. Exit polls taken after Albania's parliamentary elections showed a result too close to call. The Prime Minister, Edi Rama of the Socialists, is seeking a third consecutive term in office, but his party may have not won more seats than the largest two opposition parties combined. The campaign has been closely fought and at times violent. And Nomadland made the biggest splash at a socially distanced Academy Awards ceremony. It spared meditation on the open road, won Best Picture, and made Chloe Zhao, a Chinese national, the second woman to win Best Director in Oscars history. Other prize winners were conspicuously diverse, with 9 of 20 acting awards serving to deflect the hashtag OscarsSoWhite complaint of recent years. And now, here's today's agenda. Parlaying on Apple. The controversial app returns. Exile has been hard for Parler, which this week returns to the Apple App Store. The Twitter clone, beloved by the far right, was kicked off Apple's and Google's app stores, as well as Amazon's servers, following the Capitol riots on January 6th. It has since ousted and been sued by its founder and chief executive, John Mates, filed two lawsuits against Amazon, and spent more than a month offline. The social media app, which sells itself as an alternative to the, quote, censorship of platforms such as Twitter and Facebook, has made compromises to become available on iPhones again. Details remain unclear. 
Mark Meckler, Parler's interim boss, gave a mealy-mouthed interview to Fox Business in which he claimed that Parler was, quote, not doing content moderation at all, before saying that the version on the Apple App Store will have, quote, a particular kind of content censorship. Ironically, Mr. Mates claims he was fired for trying to introduce precisely this sort of moderation. Trade Tussle Mercosur Meets Argentina hosts a meeting of trade and economy ministers of the Latin American trade bloc today amid the most serious diplomatic crisis in its three-decade history. The row is the result of last month's summit to celebrate Mercosur's 30th anniversary. At that session, Uruguay's centre-right president, Luis de Calle Poe, pushed for the bloc to get on with more trade deals and to allow members to unilaterally negotiate their own too. Mercosur, he said, cannot be, quote, a slab, limiting the freedom of member countries to advance on trade. That word infuriated the bloc's chairman, Argentina's leftist president, Alberto Fernandez, who was in no mood for compromise. Quote, if we're a slab, take another boat, he retorted. The bloc's ministers hoped to patch up the row today, but with divisions growing between the continent's left and right over many other issues, relations within Mercosur are likely to get worse before they improve. Channel Hopping Netflix Faces Competition Netflix won seven awards, more than any other studio at this weekend's Oscars. The streaming service was also one of the star companies of the media business in 2020, increasing its membership by 37 million, more than a fifth, as a locked-down world looked for ways to pass the time. But recruiting subscribers is getting harder. Last week, Netflix said it had signed up 4 million in the first quarter, 2 million fewer than forecast. Its share price fell by 8%. Meanwhile, the competition is heating up. Amazon Prime Video has nearly as many subscribers as Netflix, it comes free with the e-commerce giant's Prime bundle of services, and is throwing nearly half a billion dollars at a Lord of the Rings series. Disney Plus is growing fast, thanks to franchises such as Star Wars and Marvel. American households with broadband subscribe to four streaming services each on average. As lockdowns lift and time spent on the sofa diminishes, which will they drop? Super Mario Presents Italy's Economic Recovery Plan Italy's Prime Minister, Mario Draghi, will today unveil in Parliament his plan for spending €221.5 billion, Euros, $268 billion, to help the country's economy recover from the pandemic. His government is chipping in €30 billion. Euros. The rest will come in grants and loans from the European Union. It is hoped the fund, which will invest in projects including high-speed rail, green energy and the digitisation of public administration, will also speed up structural reforms that previous governments have repeatedly ducked. Over a tumultuous weekend, Mr Draghi found himself caught between the European Commission, which was bent on securing ironclad guarantees of reform, and the parties in his sprawling coalition, some of which are less keen on those reforms. The hard-right Northern League reportedly secured the removal from the plan of a promise not to renew a measure that allows some Italians to retire at 62. Spending billions can be hard work. Weaving Traffic How to Knit a Road Roadmaking has long been something of a sweaty and grubby business, but a group of researchers at the Swiss Federal Laboratories for Materials Science and Technology think they have come up with a more elegant method. Strange as it may seem, this involves knitting roads. They use a robotic arm to lay out string in elaborate patterns while layers of stone are added and tamped down. 
the string entangles the stones, producing a structure that is surprisingly stable and strong. One test section withstood a load of half a ton without the stones moving much at all. Knitting a road would be much greener than producing cement used to make concrete carriageways because cement production is responsible for huge amounts of carbon dioxide emissions. And bitumen used to make asphalt is obtained from oil. Knitting roads is an interesting idea, but the researchers say more development is needed to produce stronger surfaces before roadmakers can order their patterns. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Michele Ferrero, who was born on this day in 1925. Always do something different from the others. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 